into the contest. It is Tuesday the 29th of March. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. And Shane, I always get excited when I hear new guests are coming on to... <laughs> Have lunch with Lee. Yeah, this Friday, Timmy. I'm looking forward to it. So I'm in training until then, Tim. Getting ready for this uh, very serious lunch. Au contraire. No, it's, um, I've got two fantastic guests. Mark Coyne, the, the football uh, Queensland and Australian rugby league legend. And Craig Foster, uh, the former Socceroo. Um, it should be interesting chat with those boys. So catching up with them in town and... Uh, yeah, we'll break bread and over a couple of glasses of wine, I've got many questions to ask, and particularly Craig Foster, all the stuff he's done around refugees and what's going on with the Socceroos at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And Mark Coyne, of course, who would ever forget? That's not a try. That's a, a miracle. miracle. You <laughs> cannot wait for it. Lunch with Lee, of course. A very entertaining podcast it is. All right, we've got a lot on today. We've got Nick Kyrgios and Tanasi Kokonakis. They're back together, the special case. Elise Perry running against the clock. And Mitch Barnett, well, this Newcastle forward, he's going to spend a little bit of time on the bench. He's come out and spoken about it. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Well, let's start with some tennis, and we saw the confidence of Kokonakis and Kyrgios through the Australian Open, and of course that was in the doubles, and we'd like to see a lot more of that. We'd like to see them in majors, because I reckon that'll see the best of them, but they're both doing pretty well by themselves in Miami. Yeah, it definitely does, but these two are actually performing well in the singles tournament as well, Tim. They're both through to the fourth round, um, so they're having a, a fantastic year, uh, well, good 12 months, I should say. Uh, we know Kokonakis had his breakthrough tournament win in Adelaide uh, late last year, and um, and of course their double success at the Australian Open. Um, I, I, I watched this last game um, that Nick Curious played. He he beat the Italian uh, Ferresi, um, but his win against Andrei Rublev the match before the Russian uh, number seven seed was in no doubt to me the greatest bit of tennis Nick Curious has ever played. He was unbelievably good. He just smoked him off the court. Rublev is a fantastic player, number seven in the world, and he had no answers to Nick Curious. It just goes to show what this guy's talent is like. But we all know with Nick, he could come in next game and lose to uh, an absolute dud. But um, both of them are going to be playing uh, top 10 seeds from here on in. So some really, really good tennis. And hopefully they can continue their good form. Yeah, and, and as I mentioned, hopefully the confidence that they, they got out of that mm. Australian Open thing will, will surge them on because obviously they're working as a partnership, whether they're playing singles or doubles. And uh, I just, I'd like to see them as a combo moving forward. Yeah, I totally agree, and uh, they're definitely drawing off each other's success. They've been mates since they were kids, and um, and I think they generally really enjoy each other's success, and uh, that makes a very, very good team. Now, cricket, the World Cup, the Women's World Cup, it's uh, gone to plan for the Australian team. Elise Perry uh, has been in really good form, but she's 
got a bit of an injury problem and uh, she's racing against the clock. Yeah, she's got 24 hours to prove her fitness. She has some back spasms. Um, she believes she'll be okay. Look, she's a big match player. She's mm. even put forth to the team uh, captain and coach that she's happy to even play just as a batsman. She's averaging 48 in this tournament um, with the bat. We all know what she can do with the ball. The two men and match performances earlier in the tournament were with the ball. Um, look, I just think if she, you can get her into the team, if she's 95% fit, get her in there because she's, she's a match winner. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And some people started to question her, but what do they say? Form is temporary, class is permanent. So at least exactly. Perry, they'll they'll need her. Uh, what did you think uh, in the end of the Test Series? It was great to get the 1-0 victory. I think now that we've had a few days to digest it and look back uh, with a clear lens, it's just great to be back playing Test cricket in Pakistan. I think there was a time there, particularly in and around the terrorist attack uh, on the Sri Lankan bus, and, and other things that were happening, the, the, there was no end in sight. And I think many people thought, you know, would we ever in our generation get back and play substantial and decent cricket? But to look at the crowds through Raul Pindi and Karachi and Lahore it was really good to watch. And fantastic for the Pakistani people, Tim. You know, they, they have missed out due to a few people, uh, a few crazy uh, extremists who you know, stopped cricket being played in that country for the last 13, 14 years. Um, it's a real shame. So it's really good for, for the local people in Pakistan to enjoy Test cricket, to see to see their their Test stars play in front of them, and to see some of the best players from all around the world come and play in their country. So they'd be very very proud with the way the series has gone. They'd be disappointed by losing on the last day there to Australia. But I think a really, really good return to Test cricket for Pakistan in general. Yeah, and they've got a fair bit more cricket to watch because we've got the modified versions of the game, um, some one days and T20. Mitchell Marsh sustained a flexor injury and and is out of that. So he's going to be a big loss for the Australians in, in the white ball series. Yeah, big loss, a hip flexor. So he'll probably miss the whole series there. But look, Australia are missing quite a few of their key players for this series, both through injury and through uh, resting players. Um Pat Cummins is not going to play. Mitchell Stark's not playing. Hazelwood's not playing. Jai Richardson's got an injury cloud over him. I think Warner and Maxwell as well. So some really, really big names not taking part in this one-day series. But, um, yeah, Australia still uh, puts a pretty decent team on the paddock over there. Do you reckon we're getting to that point where Pat Cummins will almost stop playing white ball cricket um, for Australia? Potentially. It's a few years away yet. Um, he'll want to keep playing as much white ball cricket because he'll want to play in the IPL. That's where he's going to earn these big, big bucks each year. Um, so he'll sort of want to have sort of some at least T20 form under his belt. But I think it'll get to that. There's going to be a huge workload for him. They're going to pick and choose when they use him. Um, through the series, they'll be smart with that because that was a big, big workload for him and Stark um, during this series. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a well deserved rest, that's for sure. Oh yeah, and sensible because uh, yep. look, I can't remember a time when we got as many fast to, to medium fast bowlers who mm. who can compete, particularly in and around those games. You you could rattle off ten names pretty easily. Now, are we seeing the end of an era for the English cricket team? Are we finally at that point? where Joe Root gets sacked. Of course, we mentioned this yesterday. Jonathan Agnew, who's a very well-respected voice, of course, in English cricket, is uh, is thinking that he feels like it's the end of an era after this loss to the West Indies. Well, he has to go, Tim. Uh, England have only won one test match in the last 17 they've played. They've lost by 10 wickets to a West Indian team that are not that strong. Um, look, Joe Root is a fantastic batsman, but 
his leadership. He just looks like a a deer in the headlights. He's um mm. he, he looks lost, and 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 his energy that he's giving off to the rest of his teammates is not working. I, I say, mate, you've done well. Go away and just get as many runs as you can. They'll find someone else to replace him. Um, but yeah, his captain style, even when he's playing well, it's not that strong anyway. So uh, mm. I think it's it's time. You, you can't lose 16 test matches out of 17 and expect to keep your job. Yeah, the problem is they don't really have an absolute walk-up start to take it. People mention Stokes, but he bats and bowls. He's got already a massive workload. So mm. they've got some challenges, England. Not that uh, not that we always want to see them playing all that well. But, uh, yeah, Joe Root, I think that his days are numbered in that role with the C next to his name. And I think that he might be relieved when it finally happens. Stay with us because we've got AFL, NRL, boxing and much, much more. Now, as I watched Lance Buddy Franklin kick that thousandth goal and saw every Tom, Dick and Harry run onto the field, I was, look, I I got a bit of a thing about thunderous amounts of people around me or being in close spaces. So uh, I naturally feel a little bit uncomfortable when I'm watching something like that, but it didn't look good, but you know, Lance Franklin. I suppose you know you're only a superstar because of a, a thousand reasons, and he just says, "Look, it didn't bother me at all. I just I reveled in it." Now I'm claustrophobic too, Tim. So yeah, that gave me the irks a little bit watching that. But uh, look, he said he didn't feel threatened. He said it was a marvelous moment for himself. He said it's a bit of a blur, which it would have been, but he sort of he pointed out the fact that he had a few of his key players got to him first. A few of the swan he's got around him to celebrate the moment was pretty special, and uh, yeah, I, I think he'll uh, he'll look back with fond memories of that. But it was good to see the way he handled it too, because there's people in his face; they'd be grabbing him, you know, patting him on the mm. head, trying to push him, get in front of you, and um, he dealt with that with absolute class. And uh, yeah, good on your buddy Franklin, a real great ambassador of the sport of AFL. We haven't seen a lot of it, have we? Even in in life, you're not a lot of shaking your hands or anything. So it was a no. real. It was a, with, with COVID the last couple of years. Now Dustin Martin seems at a crossroads. Of course, uh, he lost his father recently, and uh, it's it's shaken him up. Yeah, it has, Tim. Uh, he, we all know he went through last year with a, a pretty serious injury, so he didn't play much last year, and then, then he lost his dad. Um, and he's just realised he's still grieving, and he's going to take time away from the game. Uh, I think that the Richmond Football Club are doing a fantastic job. They're looking after Dusty, Dusty the man, not Dusty the footballer, and um, they, they want to get him right. He just needs time away to, to I suppose, assess and go through and, and deal with all those feelings that come with, with the loss of a, of a parent or someone close to you um, so we can get back to doing what he does really well, playing footy. Oh, yeah, it's not easy, is it? It doesn't no. matter who you are. Uh, now, Rugby League. Now, I was watching this West Tigers-Warriors game, and I was watching a game which I thought, oh, these two teams are not going to be there in September, which they won't be. Uh, but uh, they need everything to go right for them. And referees, only, he's only new. Ziggy Preklaska adamski he's only new. Uh, but his decision not to go upstairs on a try, which was a try from Luciano Leilua, was... Um, Look, it looked ridiculous, and 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 now that uh, a little bit of water has gone under the bridge, he looks back with quite a bit of regret that he didn't go upstairs because we we double check, triple check everything uh, with the bunker and the video <laughs> referees, and why you wouldn't have got no idea. Yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't use that technology if you got it. And I'm glad you said his name too, Ziggy. Mm. I'll just say his first name, Tim. But um, yeah, it's also good to see a ref actually admit that he'd made a mistake, and so good on Ziggy for doing that. 
But it's just funny. Sport sport can be a nasty, nasty thing, and it can kick you when you're down. And you know, you look at the Tigers. That that actually cost them the match. That that they pretty much lost by a try, and that was the difference. And you've got Michael Maguire who's fighting for his job as a coach, and that could be one of the last nails in his coffin. So, uh, yeah, I can see why Ziggy may feel some real remorse about the decision that he didn't make. But I suppose it, it mirrors sport and life and business and everything else. It's, yeah. it's those setbacks, it's those moments where things don't quite go right. It's like a, not being picked in a team or not getting the job you want. They often can be the catalyst for you being very, very good. This might just help a young referee uh, grow because, you, you know, not everything works. Yeah, look, it's tough, and uh, I know as a sportsman, uh, in the heat of the moment, you, you do things and you react, and and when you look back on it, you go, I could have dealt with that better at the time. It's the same for referees; they they get caught up, and anyone that says that a ref or an umpire doesn't get caught up in the emotion of the game, um, well, they're not human. Mm. Um, so it definitely happens, but it's good to see that he admitted he's made a mistake, and hopefully, yeah. he does learn from that. Yeah, onward and upward. You can't change what's happened and you yep. can't change what people say, but you can change what you do next. There's no question. Now, Newcastle forward Mitch Barnett, he, he really has to think about what he does next because that was uh, a very, very costly elbow. Yeah, it was, but I liked the way that he came out and addressed the media around this and he said um, he did not intentionally try to injure Smith and he said there is a difference between being deliberate and being careless, and he said he was definitely careless. And uh, I think we all agree with that. And he said he just had his eyes on the ball, uh, not the player, and he just reacted at the last minute. So mm. I'm going to take his word for that. It, it looked ugly. We know that, Tim. It looked ugly, but uh, he makes a mistake. But I, I like the way they dealt with that. And I don't think there was uh, malicious intent in that at all. Anthony Mundine wants Tim Zhu to take his time a bit before um, moving through the grades. Of course, an extraordinary win over there in the States. But uh, Anthony's saying, I, I would like to see him have a couple of more fights before he goes for this world title. Yeah, well, it definitely showed in the earlier round when he got knocked down, there is a few things you can work on. I'd love to see what Tim Zhu thought of those comments from Anthony Mundine and whether he actually respects Anthony Mundine as a, as a boxer and, and his thoughts around that, or it's just going to drive him to be more stubborn and determined. I don't know. But uh, look, yeah, I think he's definitely going up a couple of classes now. And uh, I think Mundine might be right. He may need a few more fights and just sort of hone his craft. He did say he was quite sick going into that match. Um, so maybe that was part of it. But from a technique perspective, yeah, he's got a few little things to work on. But I tell you what, he's a good fighter. Yeah, a lot of people say that the media game is, you know, it's fickle and it, you know, it must be difficult and there's backstabbing, which there is, of course, <laughs> there is. But you've, yeah, look, it's nothing compared to coaching, though, is it? Like, it's nothing compared to coaching in a sport. And poor old Graham Arnold for the Socceroos. Uh, Everyone is saying, oh, it's time because we're going to have a real struggle to get to these World Cup finals. Um, he himself seems okay about it, but I don't think his family's all that happy. No, well, obviously, what comes when you coach a, a national team? Uh, there's obviously everyone has an opinion, Tim. We all know that. And uh, he said the way that his wife's had to deal with this in particular has been really, really tough on him. Um, I'm pretty sure she wasn't happy getting fined $25,000 for his little dip in the ocean during mm. COVID. But, uh, yeah, he said she's taken it personally. And, and I, I understand that. Um, 
what comes with with a sporting life is uh you know people have an opinion as I said and it does affect not only yourself personally but your your loved ones around you. Oh, and people stay loyal to you, of course. And and as you say, mm. opinions. What do they say? Opinions are like assholes. Everyone has yeah. one. Um, <laughs> now to finish with today. Um, great teams, like great teams are usually led by great leaders um, and great captains, great coaches. What about the 1999 World Cup? It was a it was a win for the ages because um, it was a time where Steve Waugh, Shane Warne, who obviously didn't get on all that great, but they both shone. Yeah, they did. Well, it just got me thinking, Tim, around um, this story with Joe Root and how England have lost the last 16 of 17 test matches. Mm. And I can imagine what, the meetings are like, and they say, you know, losers losers have meetings and winners have parties. And I'll tell you what, the England cricket team will be having a lot of meetings at the moment. And just remind me of the 1999 World Cup where um, at the time, Warney was going through a real tough time in his personal life. He was uh, he was going through a marriage potential separation from his wife. Mm. He was caught in, in, in some pretty... Um, interesting circumstances uh, on camera and uh, he was really down and out and he wanted to quit and Steve Orr said at the time we need to rally around Warney we need him and we all made an effort by just going and calling him and going for a walk with him or catching up with him and you know just reassuring him what he was a real big part of the team and thank goodness it worked and and history shows that without Warney we would not have won the quarterfinal or that semi-finals against South Africa and go on to win the World Cup so yeah it, it's a really um, I've played in teams that uh, really, really good, like that one. And I've played in teams that um, everything's going wrong and people are looking for excuses and trying to blame everyone else. And uh, I definitely know which one I prefer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The great Shane, Keith Warren. And of course, we'll see that memorial service at the MCG tomorrow. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. Big thank you to our sponsors. Yeah, our fantastic sponsors in O'Brien Beer, the beer. They and of course, back. our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh. We are back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.